Okay, people, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. So, we got a couple of films for you this week, but before we get into those, why don't we hit the top 15 films streaming in the UK this week? So, at number 15, we've got Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. It was directed by Jackie Maramin and it starred Angelina Jolie, Ellie Fanning, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Harris Dickinson. At number 14, it was Peter Katuni's Military Wives, which starred Shannon Honigan, Kristen Scott Thomas, Amy James, and Gabby French. At number 13, it was Onward. Uh, this was, um, you know, directed by Dan Scanlon. And it had the voice cast of Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Octavia Spencer, and Julia Lewis de Frias. So, at number 12, we have the Guy Ritchie gangsta film, The Gentleman. And this stars Charlie Homan, Michael McConaughey, Colin Farrell, and Hugh Grant. At number 11, it's Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women, starring Cerise Ronan, Timothée Chalamet, Florence Pugh, and Emma Watson. At number 10, people, it is a Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn, Kathy Yang behind the chair, and it's starring Margaret Robbie, Jomai Smollett, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Ewan McGregor. At number 9, it's Bilal Falafs and Adil El Arby's Bad Boys for Life. Starring Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, Vanessa Hodges, and Alexander Ludwig. At number eight, we have Ryan Johnson's <laughs> triumphant return, Knives Out. This was starring Anna Diamas, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Chris Evans, and Daniel Craig. At number 7, we've got Jamanji The Next Level from Jake Castan. And it was starring Kieran Gillen, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, and Jack Black. At number 6, we've got Todd Phillips' smash hit, Joker, which of course starred Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats and Francis Conroy. At number five, we've got Doolittle. This was from Stephen Gahan, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Tob Holland, Rami Malik, and um, Emma Thompson, of course. At number four, we have 1917, 
So this is from Sam Mendes, starring George McKay, Dean C. Chapman, Robert Richard Madden, even, and Benedict Cumberbunch. At number three, we have got Sonic the Hedgehog. This is from Jeff Fowler, starring Jim Carrey, Ben Schwartz, James Marsden, and Tika Sompler. Now, at number two, we've got Frozen 2. So, this one is uh, from Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, with the voice cast of Edina Menzel, Kristen Bell, Jonathan Groff, and Josh Gad. So, people, the number one streaming film in the UK is Walter Dome's Trolls World Tour and this had a voice cast of Rachel Bloom, Chance the Rapper, Anna Kendrick and Jamie Dorm. So that's our top 15 films so let us well before we get into our films let's check out a little bit of information first. Okay, film fans, this will be of interest to you. Today, Cinema Showtime, an Indiegogo crowdfunding multimedia project designed to reunite film fans following the coronavirus lockdown, has launched. They will be working in partnership with Medi Cinema, the charity that brings the magic of film to hospitals. Cinema Showtime is a project that is looking forward to a time when re- restrictions are lifted and we can start going and doing what we love again, going to the pictures. It is looking forward to a time when we can watch rescheduled movies that we have been waiting to see for months on the big screen with our friends. The current guidelines suggest that we can expect to see cinemas reopen to the public from July the 4th. Perhaps that will be our own Independence Day. (laughs) What the Cinema Showtime project involves production and distribution of a free glossy magazine written by film experts and packed with the ultimate preview of every movie being released between November the 20th and August the 23rd. Sorry, that's November 2020 to August 2021. This will include the latest release dates, info, features, interviews and more. Staging a one-off live event in a prominent London venue called Cinema Showtime Live that fans and contributors will be invited to attend. This will include a fan lottery with incredible prizes and money can't buy merchandise and experiences also creating an online site and newsletter that celebrates the return of cinema with up-to-the-minute news and information production unique 
and exclusive merchandise to tie in with the event and film releases and also 10% of all contributions and money raised will go to the charity Medi Cinema to assist with their work. The teams behind Cinema Showtime, Creative Path Group Limited, Strike Media Limited and My Film Club will be monitoring the latest coronavirus guidelines to ensure that what is planned will be sensible and time sensitive. The first glossy magazine is currently scheduled for October. As this proceeds, a number of major rescheduled movie releases for November onwards. These include No Time to Die, Black Widow, Soul, Free Guy, Peter Rabbit 2, Fast and the Furious 9, Top Gun Maverick, Coming to America 2, The Tomorrow War, Venom 2 and many more. Medi Cinema is a registered UK charity that builds and runs state-of-the-art cinemas in NHS hospitals which accommodate beds and medical equipment. They work to help improve patient well-being, resilience and recovery through the power of film and the shared cinema experience. Currently, their cinemas are suspended just like all regular cinemas across the country. Instead, they are providing a free movie channel for patients to access at their bedsides during the long periods of isolation that come with restricted visiting hours. We are raising money for them to keep these services running and to ensure their in-hospital cinemas can reopen when it is safe to do so. Um, the Medi Cinema CEO Kat Mason said, We all miss being able to go out to see a film with friends and for our NHS patients who are more isolated than ever and not able to visit our in hospital cinemas. It is even harder. This is such a wonderful initiative. Uh, we are so grateful for Cinema Showtime support, which will help ensure that our cinemas will reopen and that patients can once again have a break from the wards and their conditions to do what used to feel normal to all of us. To go and watch a great film. Alright, so check out the links in this episode's information on how you can get involved with uh, Cinema Showtime. Great stuff. Okay, people, so if you're a fan of nostalgia and, uh, yeah, you'd love to travel back to, um, you know, those golden ages of the 60s, then this could very well be for you because it's back. That's right, people, the swinging 60s are back because July the 29th marked the launch date of a new streaming service called Network On Air. Yep. That's right, it's available via watch.networkonair.com. Uh, 
The new service offers TV fans a unique nostalgic experience where TV meets streaming with a selection of time travel nights in. Network on air available um, in the UK and Ireland enables nostalgia fans old and new the opportunity to rent specially curated nights in and collected series from ABC television which broadcast in the Midlands and Northern England between 1956 and 1968. Many of these programs have not been seen since their original broadcast. Nighting consists of four to six hours of exclusively curated programming, including specially recorded new linking material from David Hamilton, um, clips and contemporary ads. Nights in are entirely remastered in the best possible quality. Platform viewers will enjoy a truly vintage viewing experience. It is time travel TV. These nights in will be made available alongside accompanying series to launch the service. Titles include Dial 999, Big Night Out, Armchair Theatre, and the Bruce Forsyth Show. On top of this, various special documentaries can be found, including one on Michael Caine, available exclusively via the second night in episode. Original ABC announcer David Hamilton says... In October 1960, I made my television debut as an announcer for ABC TV at the Disbury Studios in Manchester. In those days, there were only two TV channels, BBC and ITV. ABC, the weekend contractor in the North and Midlands, had a blockbuster schedule and people went to work on Monday mornings talking about the programmes they had all seen the night before. Something that couldn't happen today, truly a golden era of television. The first night entitled Welcome Once Again to Manchester includes... Here's David Nixon, episode 1, Dial 999, The Great Gold Robbery, Opportunity Knocks, Big Night Out, The ABC of ABC, The Channel's 10-Year Anniversary Special, Armchair Theatre, A Very Fine Line, and Surprise Bonus Shows. Nights in which include 6 to Four to six hours of programming presented as an evening of television, a priced at three ninety nine for the first three, which uh, with future nights in at four ninety nine. People can also rent hand picked collections of episodes from their favorite series for six ninety nine, including over nine hours of golden TV nostalgic viewing. On top of this, users will have 28 days to watch the content from purchase. The content itself is available for a limited time only on the platform. So, 
if you want to check it out, make sure you go do it soon. With their new on-demand service, Network literally goes on air. Boom, people. There it is. So, if you want to time travel all the way back, go do it via watch.networkonair.com. Okay, people. So, now we've uh, got all of that out of the way. Let us get into this week's films. All right, so sit back, relax, and let's go. Okay, so I've just checked out Host, which is a new film from director Rob Savage. Savage wrote the film along with Gemma Hurley and Jed Shepard. And the film is starring Hayley Bishop, Gemma Moore, Emma Louise Webb, Radina Drandov, Caroline Ward, and Edward Linard. With Appearances from Celine Baxter, um, who's the next kind of main cast member, as it were, I would probably say. So the gist of the film is this. Um, Host is the story of six friends who hire a medium to hold a seance over Zoom during lockdown. But they get far more than they bargain for as things quickly go wrong. When an evil spirit starts invading their homes, they begin to realise they might not survive the night. Bum, bum, bum. So, um, this film was, you know, filmed during lockdown, kind of. You know, <laughs> as mentioned. Um, and supposedly everyone operated their own cameras. Um, and they worked to produce their own kind of, you know, the practical effects for the scenes. Um, Rob Savage directed remotely. Uh and did, so, yeah, he didn't go to the houses to help out or to do this, to kind of be within guidelines and restrictions, right? So I'd heard of, you know, a few productions trying this out. And I was curious to kind of see how it would work. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it is an, it's a different take, right? And you can definitely think, all right, some, in some instances, all right, I see how that would work. I see how you could do certain things, but then there's other things that you think, oh, that could be a little bit, hmm, wonky maybe. But I will say, right, I think this is interesting, right? Um, now, 
It's kind of filmed to be a like a Zoom meeting, you know. So the film itself is, I think it's like around fifty minutes, you know. Uh, well, no, it's fifty six minutes. Fifty six minutes, which is is I mean, it's slightly longer than an actual free Zoom meeting, but that's fine, right? That's fine. Uh, I would say that the film does, it does open cold. You know, it's because, I guess, because they're going for that whole kind of, hey, you're kind of a fly on the wall of this Zoom meeting, this Zoom seance. So we have the whole, it all starts with, firstly, someone... Logging in and then selecting the people, and then you've got the girl kind of walking around her flat a bit. Oh, I put on a jumper, and so there's nothing, nothing for two minutes. And I mean, that's fine, but I kind of feel for something that's not very long, right? For something that's not very long, it's a bit of a cold entry. Because then, you know, we're not getting a whole heap of information. Which, again, is fine, right? But, yeah, then kind of, there's questions, right? Because the, the first kind of interaction is, um, oh gosh, I think it's Caroline and Gemma, Right? And they're talking, she's like, oh, have you ever done this before? And Caroline says, yes. Right? So she says, yes. But a bit later in the film, the woman leading the seance is like, oh, this is the first time I've ever done it. So you're kind of like, you you have, there are questions Because another question being, why this group of people, right? And a group of people, this is a group of friends. Why this group? Because I think what we see, it's not the best group of friends to bring in. And you do kind of wonder if they're actually... Great friends So it's kind of like Wait why Because you know A seance is something kind of crazy Right You know seance Ouija boards All of that kind of thing So it's just a bit like You kind of feel that You only would do that kind of shit With your mad close people Like people that you can trust And it seems that that's not these, <laughs> so it, you do kind of wonder, right, you kind of wonder, they, they, they also want to throw in a lot of the lockdown things, you know, like, um, so you've got someone staying in a place with someone who I feel they, you get the impression they've only really just started dating, right, so you have that situation, 
then you've got the the person that moves in with her with their um partner's family it's like this is another story we've heard over lockdown so they thrown that one in you know it, it's just like oh let's hit all the we have a situation with a girl and her dad and it's just like oh he's not been staying in he keeps on going outside oh naughty and it's just a bit like it was a weird conversation to throw in there you know it didn't really add I mean, it added nothing to the film, and it was a little bit clunky. Like, you had the dad flashing the girls, which, and when I say flashing, I mean, he he wasn't showing his private parts. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't like that. But it was just like, it was weird. It, It was just kind of, why is that here? Like, what is this bringing to the story? It's not really bringing anything it seemed it it kind of felt a little clunky to throw it in right so you've there is these clunky moments right and that's all at the beginning which is a problem it's all at the beginning um yo and you kind of think right because there's it's just these questions right these questions come up and it's just like how do you, to you know, how do you stop it, right? And and I don't think that was never really covered. So you kind of feel before you start doing this, right? Shouldn't we walk through the scenarios and how to combat these scenarios? Because if no one's ever done it, then they should be aware of. Because then, what we find, people aren't aware of the issues, and it all goes a little bit south. Right? It all goes a little bit south because of this shit. So you're just like, um, okay. Now, because of, like, oh, and I do, I will say, there was a thing done at the very beginning of the film by one of the girls, right, which you think, okay, so that's going to play later on into the film, right, it, it, you know, it's just one of those things, that it's just like, I... Yeah, I know why that was because there was no real reason for that to be done, to be mentioned, to be brought up. And yes, yes, it does. Uh, now, right, let's disregard all of those things, right? All of the issues. And I will say some of the dialogue is a bit mm, clunky, is a little clunky. And especially when these are meant to be friends, right? But as that all aside, this film does, it, you know, it does hit those jump moments. I jumped. I jumped for sure. I watch this shit during the day. I'm not watching this shit at night. Are you fucking insane? Like, no. <laughs> and I mean, like it. I'm a bit kind of curious because 
The film seems to start during the day, but then it seems to be real night. So I'm not quite sure. It'd be curious to like we don't really get a sense of the time. Maybe there is a clock, but I just can't see it. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't watching this film at night. I'm really glad I didn't watch this film at night because yes, no, the film does make you jump. There are legitimate, like, ugh, tense moments. And I think you really have to give it up to them for doing that. Right? There's, there's shit with a chair. There's, a, there's some shit. There's some real crazy shit in this. The, yeah... I it, I think horror fans will be pleased. You know what I mean? I, I I definitely think they will be pleased at this because it does invoke that kind of okay. All right, stop messing around now. Um, no 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 no, people, stop messing. Like, who's making the noise? Who's making a? I think I saw something. What's going on? And it gets you really fucking tense. So, hey, they pulled that off. They really did pull it off. You know? So, yeah, aside from the issues, right? And a lot of the issues come around context, I kind of feel, and just that early pacing of the film, right? But everything... Um, to bring out the jumps, to bring out and induce the panic, <laughs> you know, they did a good job with that, you know, and I mean, as the film did roll on, we do start to, I, I kind of, it seemed everyone kind of settles into their roles more. Right, we get better reactions. You know, we get better kind of um, feelings and emotions from the people. Because I think at the very start of it, there is a little bit of woodenness to some of the performances. But then as things go, hey, it, it, it's, you know, it really does seem like a natural thing, you know, like Teddy, at the very start, Teddy just comes off a little one-dimensional, a little, oh, I'm playing this role, hey, look at me, but then at the end, yeah, you know what I mean, I think you, you feel the shit, right, and that's the same, um, a little bit with Gemma, there's, I think, like you kind of at the beginning, the character seemed to be forcing it a little bit, right? But then towards the end, it, it you got more of a natural, you know, a natural feel, and I think that's, you know, I I kind of feel the end is, um, and when I say the end, I I would probably say the last, mm, I don't know. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, that of this film is where it gets strongest, right, there are definitely some of those odd horror moments, like, 
wait, why are you going there? Or, like, now both go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at the very end, it was kind of like, wait, what? Huh? Both go. <laughs> like, don't, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Stop this. So that was, um, yeah, that's where it kind of goes into its own. You know, the very end is a little odd, though. I will say they should have just cut it because then you get the whole cursor moving and all of that, which doesn't really make any sense. You know what I mean? Like that bit, I was a bit like, wait, who's doing that? Like, why would someone, you know what I mean? That that just seemed odd and it should have just cut at the... You know, but yeah, you know, I would say, yeah, if you're a horror fan and you like uh, jumping out your skin, (laughs) I will say that uh, host, I think that's gonna, that's gonna keep you happy and being 56 minutes long. Yeah, it's nothing really. It is kind of like watching an episode of, I don't know, something like Ozark or, or something like that, right? So it, it's it's not really going to eat your time or anything. So, yeah, just get past those, you know, those early moments. And, uh, yeah, then everything will uh, be cool. But don't watch it at night. I mean, because that just seems crazy, people. Seems Crazy, yeah. Stick, stick to the daytime, and don't be doing this kind of shit. Doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Doesn't make any sense whatsoever, people. I mean, don't invite craziness into your house. Yeah, definitely don't do that. I do feel though. Um, Because there are two things, two things, because you wonder the Teddy situation, right, but also Celine, that, because it's kind of like, oh, if it's because, what, a connection, that means, should there be something with Celine, I don't know, Uh, maybe I've missed something on that. But it kind of like, it still feels that element of it is open. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I might be wrong. But um, yes, Host is now available on Shudder. Right? It debuted today. So uh, yeah, go watch it, people. And if you don't have Shudder, if you go to the details of this episode... Uh, there is a, a a link and a code for a 30-day free trial, right? And the trial is worth it. We've talked, and I think probably the last few weeks, you know, we, we've had, uh, we've talked about a Shudder film each week, um, and there's definitely been some great stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the platform is jam-packed, full of plenty to keep someone who loves horror films 
movies, shorts, documentaries. Yeah, it will keep you happy. All right, so uh, yeah, people, go do that and go check out Host. Okay, so just watched Summerland. It's the uh, debut feature film from director Jessica Swale, who also wrote the feature. It is produced by Guy Healy and Adrian Sturgis. And the film stars Gemma Afferson as Alice Lamb, Gugu Mabtha Raw as Vera, uh, Penelope Witten as the older Alice, Tom Courtney as Mr. Sullivan. Lucas Bond as Frank, uh, and Dixie Egerich as Edie, Frank's friend. Um, and the film, it basically, it follows the story of fiercely independent folklore investigator Alice, who secludes herself in her clifftop study, debunking myths using science to disprove the existence of otherworldly forces and magic. Consumed by her work, but also profoundly lonely, she is haunted by a love affair from her past. When spirited young Frank, an evacuee from London, is dumped into her irritable care due to the blitz his innocence and wonder unlock deeply buried and painful secrets in Alice's past and make her reevaluate what it really means to free your imagination bravely embracing life's miraculous unpredictability Alice learns that wounds may be healed Hope and second chances do exist, and any woman must definitely be two things, who and what she wants. So yeah, that is Summerland, people. I mean, the the concept of Summerland, we learn, is basically, it's like the, the, the pagan... Equivalent of heaven Right, so it's this fantasy It's this myth Of, you know What you see Before you die And also You can see it If uh, Oh, how is it described Like there's a disturbance in the force As it were You know, like if someone Close to you maybe passes like, you might see it as a sign, right? Them trying to show you they're safe, show you they're good. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the whole kind of gist and concept. And this film, you know, it, it does seem like a good thing to kind of, you know, bring the cinema back, right? It's... It's one of those features that definitely it hits those beats, right? It's got family feature written all over it, 
you know, it, it, it kind of follows that arc, you know, of like a reclusive, slowly opening up, you know, stepping back, but then opening up again, having it nearly all disappear, and then at the end, it all coming together. You know, it, it, it follows the tread that everyone appreciates, everyone loves, they embrace. You know, and when you break it down, when you look at this, like, it's directed very well. You know, it, it, it's got a nice feel to it. We've got some very nice cinematography. You know, we we get to see... Ah, like, you know, Kent at its best, as it were, you know, it, do, it they do a good job with that, right, um, you know, just the tone of the film, like, uh, colour-wise, you know, it's very, it's soothing, right, it's not too harsh, it's kind of mellow, right, even... When we get to some grimmer moments, you know, they keep it at its certain level. Now, it does get a bit, you know, tonally darker, but not too dark, right? So, it's always keeping on that boundary of family. You know, there's this music that plays, which, you know... I think it's just about right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, maybe it they could have toned back on it. But it's not too much. Right? And, you know, obviously they're using it to kind of play the scenes. And invoke emotion in the right places and all of this. So we have that. We've got some good acting. You know, everyone does a great job. Um, you know, Monfa Raw, she's very good as Vera. Um, Wilton does her part, especially at the beginning. You know, as the older Alice. Uh, Courtney is the bumbling, you know, feel-good teacher. And Atherton, you know, Atherton... Does doesn't do a bad job as younger Alice. You know, she I think she plays it for the right crowd. You know what I mean? And then the kids. Lucas Bond and Dixie Egerich. They don't do you know, they do a good job, you know, as as kids do. Um for all their stuff. So yeah, it kinda it plays, you know, I think it, this is what people want, especially now, right? It, it's something where people will be able to go watch and escape, right? Even, you know, with a film kind of set around the war, right? Even that as a backdrop, this is a film that kind of, is there to give you hope, right, then, you know, it's, it's dealing with the fact that, even through loss, if you open yourself up, 
right? Hope is still there. You know, second chances are there to be seized. You know what I mean? That you don't have to be on your own. Like, these are the big messages that are kind of there for you in the film. Like, even if you're not religious, like, you know, magic. Like, there's a thing there, a force that kind of will guide you through. Right? That's all the stuff that we have in this film. And I, I, you know, I do feel that the majority of people will resonate with that. You know, the film, it knows its audience, and that's a good thing, right? Now, I do believe that film does play it very safe, right? I, you know what's going to happen throughout everything. You're like we're, we're seeing these different things, and it's just a bit on the nose. You know, like at the beginning, well, the film opens up, right? So it opens up in 1975. We got the older Alice, and they do play her a little crutchety. You know, they set that up. They do a nice kind of job of then taking us back into the past, you know, through the typewriter. So now we're in the past, right? And so we're setting Alice up, the younger Alice, as an outcast from the local community. You know, they, there's a the scene in the shop that... You know, it is a bit, but, you know, it, it does make you chuckle a little bit, right? So there is that. But, yeah, they, 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 they very clearly want to show you, like, oh, this is a person that no one really cares for or likes. She's aloof. She's alone. And um, so we have that. But then Frank comes, and it's all a bit... You know, like, open up, open up. It's a young person. It will bring you feelings. You know, it, it was just a little much, right? And when, you know, when we have Frank, suddenly this opens her up to memories of her past, of her university days where she had met Vera. And so we get these flashbacks, right? These different few flashbacks throughout a period of the film, which is fine. You know, it's all good. It's all fine. I think the thing is, though, right? So we're dealing with this, this love that wasn't able to blossom, but they do they seem to shy away from truly showing it because through the scenes that we do see right we see there's something but you could right if certain things aren't said you could look at it as just a close friendship 
You know what I mean? They like shy away from really showing this lesbian relationship, which does feel a little odd, right? Because look, I understand, you know, it's of its time, right? So you might not want to, you know, you might not be able to have them, say, walking down the street, kissing and all of this, but when they're on their own, you know, there is a kiss, but the way the kiss is shot, I mean, it might well not, it might, it might as well not have been a kiss, like, you could easily pass it as just a hug, there is a, a, a kissing noise, uh, but you go, oh, maybe they just kissed the shoulder, you know what I mean, or the top of the head, like, it wasn't really showing a true embracement of love between these two women, and that seemed, like, why not, like, why hide it? Yo, why kind of seclude it? Because this is her memory. You know, so you're being like, in your memory, you'd be thinking. And obviously, look, <laughs> we're human beings. You know, you will play out the minutiae of certain instances, breaking it down. Like, oh, I remember how our lips met and the embrace and, oh. You know, you play it all down. It's in your mind. You're not hiding it. You know, you're not kind of censoring, you know, these intimate moments. Like, you might be critiquing yourself, but that's all. Right? So, it it, it just seemed a bit odd in this fear of showing that. And even... With the way it was talked about. Because then we're suddenly having her kind of talking about it with Frank. Which all seemed a bit odd. You know, like some of the conversations didn't feel like real conversations. They seemed like these constructs that have been placed within this vehicle... To drive the narrative of the story into certain directions, you know? So, yeah, you had these weird conversations between her and Frank, but even within those conversations, it wasn't really like, um, you know, true admissions of love or anything like that, right? I think. We know where the story is going, you know? We really, I think it's very clear. Like, there's, a, you know, the whole, ah, I want a new family. And then it's just like, ah, you know, like, you know that's happening. It's obvious that's happening. And then with the whole kind of circular theory of the film, you could see that coming up on you. Like, it wasn't a surprise, because it was just, it, the memories happened in such a way that 
you know, these fit certain things were reminded her. So you're just like, ah, oh, wait, they're not going to, and then yeah, it happens, and you're just like, ah, god damn it, you know, all right, fine, fine, it's not the worst, right? Um, so yeah, all of this kind of plays. And, like, there's these different moments within the film that are just, yeah, they just don't really, they don't flow as natural. You know, the, 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 I think it's just the whole, whole reaction between the situation with Frank's dad and the conversations with the other people around that. Now, I think... Like, look, she has loss in her life, right? And you kind of think, I understand a reluctance to relay certain information. You, yeah, I get that. I understand it, you know? So you would think that the explanation could have been truer, you know, realer. Like, if we had got, I wanted to keep you safe. Because I remember when I was told there was no going back, right? There was no semblance of normality after that point, And I just felt a loss. So I was trying to give you as much time of normality as I could. So, yeah, I didn't want to spoil that day. And then it felt weird just to tell you first thing the next day. So I waited. I apologised for waiting. You know, I know this is important. I know because I remember what it felt for me. I, I Look, if I could take it back, if I could change it, I would, Frank. But this is... Like, if we had some true, real... You know what I mean? But what we get is just a little saccharine. You know what I mean? Everything is a little cookie cutter. It's a little PG-13. You know what I mean? That, and I feel that's... That's my kind of issue with the film. Like, the film isn't a terrible film. And as I mentioned, the film, it perfectly fits... You know, the audience that you know will gravitate and like this film. I definitely envision this film being a hit, being a success. But in 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 doing that, right, they did shy away from certain things. And I feel they could have been braver. You know, they could have been more look, we're just gonna we're gonna show this. We're gonna show, you know. This love between the women. We're going to be realer with our, you know, dialogue, our conversation. You know, because, you know, Alice, all the way through the film, it, it she keeps to this certain tone. Right? Keeps to this certain tone that is very placating. You know, it's that kind of... Tone you use when people are very difficult, and it's just like, okay, no, 
It will be fine. I I understand. Okay, don't worry. Let's move on. You know, and it's just ah, give us a bit more emotion for some of these certain things. You know? But yeah. You know, I, I think look, that this is clearly just me. Right? I, I I do, you know, I honestly do think it isn't a bad film. I just wish it had just been, yeah, a little stronger in certain areas. You know, just don't play certain scenes in, in certain ways. Be a bit more, I want to say, realistic, you know, truthful to reality. You know what I mean? And the other thing was just... Everything was a bit too... Like, clean is the wrong word. But it's kind of like, listen... You're de- you're in ration time. It's war. Right? People weren't washing their clothes every day. People... You know what I mean? Definitely people had... A, 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 you know, there's talking to old people who were around in those days. And there's definitely this thing about, oh, we're going to keep things in a certain way. You know, so cleanliness is very important and all of that. But, yeah, everyone always looked like they've just showered. You know, the clothes look like they've just been pressed. And it was just a bit like, ah, uh, like... People would, you know, there would be a little grubby, especially when the kids are, like, out playing in, you know, streams and woods and all of this. But you you, you didn't really get that. You know, they, they made it a bit too clean cut all the way through. Which, yeah, I mean, it's a little thing, but it's just one of those little things that always just bug me a little watching stuff, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just wish, aesthetically, they could have, you know, just made it a little bit grimier. But, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's it, people, that's it. But, yes, I I do think that, um, I think this will talk to people that like stuff like, uh, I guess, you know, things like atonement, you know, it it speaks to that kind of crowd, Um, probably like sense and sensibility, you know, just like all of those sort of things, you know, some of those kind of classic kind of British fair, like David, the recent David Copperfield, like just stuff like that, if you enjoy that kind of thing, right, then this, yeah, this will speak to you, you know, so, uh, Summerland, it is out tomorrow, it's out in cinemas tomorrow, people, so, why not go and check it out on the big screen, you know, go to an everyman, you know, go to your local cineplex, have fun, (laughs) you know what I mean, enjoy it, Right, because this is very wholesome. So afterwards, you can go for a cup of tea, get a cookie, and uh, reminisce. You know what I mean? So yeah, Summerland. It's uh, 
check Jessica Swall. You know, she did the uh, business behind the camera and on the pen. And we got the performances from Atherton, Mumford Raw, Wilton, Courtney, Bond, Egerich. Yeah, so go check it out and have fun, okay? Okay, people, so we are drawing to a close of another episode, but before we bounce, let's check and see what's happening in the world of films. So, um, hey, it seems a really good time right now for Ashley Avis, who is the writer and director of a new adaptation of Black Beauty, because, hey, it has just been picked up by Disney, and will be, um, hitting the Disney Plus streaming service later this year, you know, the film was, um, shot in South Africa earlier, um, or late last year even, uh, and, um, yeah, you know, the, it's, you know, the story of a horse born in the wild, but it's captured, taken away from its family, and, um, you know, it meets a 17-year-old girl, Joe Green, who is grieving the loss of her parents, you know, they develop a bond, love, respect, all of that. And, um, yeah, it goes from there. Kate Winslet is going to be giving the horse its uh, inner voice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, it also stars Ian Glenn and um, John Manley, along with uh, Claire Florini. Uh, so, uh, yeah. There, um, there's that coming. Um, alright, so this is interesting. It kind of also, like, we've had the story, well, we've seen it told within, um, Ryan Murphy's recent Hollywood TV series that hit Netflix. But, um, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and um, Luca Gadanini have um, teamed up to, uh, yeah, tell the story of, um, you know, uh, Scotty Bowers, you know, who was a marine turned hustler. Um, he arranged liaisons for, um, you know, gay Hollywood stars who were in the closet, I mean, everyone was in the closet back then, right, so yeah, he arranged for, um, these Hollywood stars to, um, you know, be able to be themselves, as it were, like, the film is, um, coming through Searchlight, uh, 
and it's you know it's basically um you know telling the story that was seen in scotty and the secret history of hollywood um so bowers was a world war ii marine combat veteran who fought at the battle of Iro Jimo, he then became a legendary bisexual male hustler and date arranger for gay Hollywood stars from the 1940s through until the beginning of the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. Bauer arranged said liaisons from a gas station near the Hollywood studios. He created a safe environment for showbiz gay men to hook up in secret in a culture that otherwise would have made it a dangerous and possibly lethal pursuit. So, um, yeah, Rogan and Goldberg are going to be writing the script and Gadadino will direct. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Now, interestingly, like people have been asking for a sequel to um, the 2012 Dread film for a long ass time. We got word that there would be a Mega City One TV series. But then everything kind of went a bit quiet. Uh, but recently, Jason Kingsley, who is the CEO of Rebellion, he um, he talked to a V2A emergency broadcast system, and he had this to say: "I want there to be a sequel to uh, Dread. We've got the rights back, so we can do do it." Um, we're just, we've just got to get rid of this virus thing that's going on at the moment And then hopefully things can kick off in a, all sorts of different areas of making film and TV It's just, it's all very messed up at the moment for everybody A lot of work has been done on all sorts of different scripts Actually, so Mega City One, the TV show, uh, basically we can't go into production because of this current situation, and we've got scripts and everything is ready to go. But the problem is, because of the pandemic and everybody's funding changes and everybody's shifting around, um, he also, yeah. He says that if, you know, everyone's available, he'd like to get them back. So, yeah, we will. Sounds like we could get the sequel and the TV series. So, um, you know, a lot of things are going into production early next year. Some even later this year. So, who knows, right? Who knows? Uh, so, um... Yeah, we're getting a new Pixar feature. Uh, it's called Luca, and it's going to be set in a seaside town on the Italian Riviera. You know, um, basically, the story follows one young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato 
pasta and endless scooter rides. He shares these adventures with his newfound best friend, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. He is a sea monster from another world, just below the water's surface. Hmm. So it's gonna be coming from Enrico Casario, um, who's a was a storyboard artist on Ratatouille and Up. So um, yeah, you know, um, he had this to say. Uh, this is a deeply personal story for me, not only because it's set on the Italian Riviera where I grew up, but because at the core of this film is a celebration of friendship. Childhood friendships often set the course of who we want to become, and it is those bonds that are at the heart of our story in Luca. So in addition to the beauty and charm of the Italian seaside, our film will feature an unforgettable summer adventure that will fundamentally change Luca. So um yeah that could be nice. I pics I haven't really let us down, right? And let's end with this. Because we have got a teaming of two bright stars right now. Jordan Peele and Isa Ray are coming together for Sinkhole. It's going to be coming through um, Universal. And it follows a young family who move into their dream home. Except for the gaping sinkhole in the backyard. The sinkhole manages to take all things that are broken and destroyed and make them perfect again. But what will it do to a person? Hmm. So supposedly the film is looking at the question of female perfection and identity. Yup. Montreal McKay, Sarah Rastogi, and Wynne Rosenfeld are producing, um, along with Ray and Peel, and Ray May Star. Yeah, well, that sounds interesting. Um, but people, that's it. We are done for another week. So enjoy your film watching. And, uh, yeah, we will see you again next Thursday. Okay? Take it easy. Peace.